Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. I say, if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Wrong story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. <sighs> exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him, even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it. In spirit and truth. Heart and mind. That, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my family this morning. I thank you for the worship that has ascended to you. I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. And now, Heavenly Father, I want to ask that as we move into the portion of the spoken word, that you would speak. Push me way out of the way, and may they only see you. We pray in your name. Amen. Today we're covering our penultimate belief, or value, I should say, here at, at Whole Life Church, and that's the value of worship. Worship is central to the Bible. 
really the question can be broken down into, are you going to worship God or are you going to worship yourself? We like to go ahead and, and create other idols, but generally what happens is, is that the ultimate idol is ourself. It's their self-reliance. It's our belief that, that really we're the one that's in charge of everything, or should be anyway. But in the Bible, there is a great discussion about who should be worshipped. We find it at the beginning in Genesis, where God declares that he is the creator, sets aside Sabbath for worship. And then we see it again as we continue on in the temptations of Jesus. What was one of Jesus' temptations? The devil said, worship me. You see, worship is incredibly central to our experience with God. Finally, when we turn to the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 14, we find three angels flying through the sky. And what's their message? Worship. Are you going to worship God? Or are you going to worship a monster? And then at the very end of Revelation, we find something that I love. We find every nation, kindred, tribe, and people. You saw it up front here today. Giving glory to God. Can you imagine that? How can we have the audacity to think that the way that we worship today is the way that God likes it? When there have been thousands of years of people worshiping God in different places, different times, and different ways. And what we see in heaven may look absolutely nothing like what we have here, or a hundred years ago, or a thousand years ago. I suspect being in heaven, it'll be something beyond our comprehension. But I sure look forward to that day. But what I find often as a pastor is that that we come to Sabbath, Friday night, Saturday morning and afternoon, into the evening right now. We come to Sabbath and we say, wow, that was a draining week. I need to be refilled. I sure hope the music this week is something I like. I sure hope it'll refill me. I sure hope the pastor really brings it this week. I really need it. Really, really need it. And, and I need it because it's going to have to fill me for the rest of the week. Yeah, that, that living water that Jesus was talking about, it's found inside of a church. And so I hope the glass is full. Because this glass of water is going to have to get me through the week. This water is going to have to, it's going to, have to make it till the next Sabbath rolls around. So I sure hope the glass is full. And so we pour that water into that first day. Not too bad. Then we take it. And we pour it into the second day, but there's not as much there. And then we pour it into the next day. 
and we try to get it to Wednesday. We get it to Thursday. And then we're mean to our family, and so some of it pours out. (laughs) And by the time we get back to Sabbath, we're empty again. We find ourselves empty as we come back to Sabbath. And sometimes, if we're honest, it doesn't even make it to Friday. We're drained by the time Tuesday rolls around. But today, in my my sermon for you today, I want to suggest to you that God wants something different for you. That that what I just talked about is not biblical. It's not what God dreamed for you, has gifted you with, and wants to give you today. I want to go ahead and have us look at some Bible verses that have to do with worship. The first one we're going to find in Exodus chapter 25. In Exodus 25, we find these words from God. It's when he's asking them to build a tabernacle. He says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. Now, I like this translation, but it really falls short, really falls short of what's being said here. When it says live among them, the word is probably better translated in their midst or in their core. And if you think back to where God set up his tabernacle, it was exactly in the middle of the Israelite camp. In other words, God's desire has always been to be in the center, the core of his people's life. Think back to the Garden of Eden. God came and walked within Adam and Eve every day. You see, God is relational. He desires relationship with us not once a week, but every day of the week and every moment of every day. He wants to be in our core. Matthew was was quoting Isaiah in this text when he was talking about Jesus. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means... God with us. And I want to suggest to you, it's not just a simple kind of off to the side with, but truly with us, like God was with them in the garden. You see, when Jesus came to this earth, he came and he brought God with us. God with us, in us. We see this happening, this, this transfer happening when the veil is ripped If you're not familiar with this story, what happens is when Jesus is crucified in the temple in Jerusalem, there was a veil between the holy place and the most holy place. And it it symbolized the barrier. It was a thin barrier, but it was a barrier that was between God and man. And when Jesus dies, that veil is ripped down the middle, symbolizing that there is absolutely no barrier whatsoever because of Jesus' death. The barrier has been removed. God with us. And when we go ahead and find ourselves in the book of Acts, we find something incredible happening. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the whole house where they're sitting. Keep in mind that the backdrop of this, Jesus has died. Jesus has been resurrected. Jesus has returned to heaven. The, the disciples are all together worshiping, not sure what's, what things are going to look like. And then 
This happens. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. The Holy Spirit gave them that ability. God in us. Think about that. God in you. No longer in a temple. No longer confined to a building. But now in every single believer. And by the way, if you want to see the symbolism, you got to go back a little ways to the Second Chronicles chapter 7. Compare this verse with the one I just read. When Solomon finished praying at the dedication of the temple that he had built, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Do you see the parallel in Acts? Fire came down. Now who's the sacrifice? We are. We're to be consumed by God. That fire is inside us. You see, when the writers of Acts wrote the book of Acts, they knew exactly. They were referring back to this text. They were saying there's a new temple now, a better temple. And what happens? The priests could not enter the temple because of the Lord, because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. That's how glorious it was. When all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, he is good, his faithful love endures forever. What happens after the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit? They go out and they preach and people fall down. 3,000 people give their lives in one day. You see the parallels here? You are God's temple if you are a believer. He lives in you. Peter puts it this way. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. And what's more, you are his holy priest through the mediation of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You are building, to, and that's the cool thing. So each one of us are a little portable temple, but then what's incredible is we come together, together and we create an even more glorious temple together. Here's a Paul clarifying a little bit of what Peter was saying. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Do you catch that? The way to worship him is that your body becomes God's temple. It becomes a living sacrifice that's consumed by God. That means that every single act of Every single day is an act of worship. In our society, we try, to, we try to say, well, this is my church life, and this is my secular life, and this is my work life, and this is my family life. When God has something better, he says, this is one life. It's a spiritual life, and it's all-inclusive. It's all-inclusive. Your family, your work, everything is an act of worship. And we go to those words that we heard Jesus speak to Mary at the well just a few minutes ago. Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never be thirsty. 
but the water that I give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. And we often take that verse and we separate it from what Jesus says later when Jesus starts talking about worship. We take that verse and we, we, we kind of keep a little bit of separation. When Jesus says, but the time is coming indeed is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. I want to suggest to you that Jesus talked about these two things, not so they could be separated, but because they have everything to do with each other. Because you can't worship Jesus if that spring of water isn't living in you. You can't worship him the way he wants to. And it's not something that you manufacture. It's something you go to him to receive. And you don't have to go to a church. And I love you being here, so don't not quit. Don't stop coming. But what I'm telling you is, is that Jesus, you are God's portable temple. You are his portable temple. And you do not have to come here to receive him. I want to suggest to you that you come here to celebrate what he's done the other six days of the week that you pour out the blessings and the glory and the worship from those other six days into this day. And then this day, it becomes this repeating process. Let me just go ahead and see if I can illustrate it this way. We come to Jesus. We come to Jesus in our daily life. And we're going to go ahead and make this the world that's around us. All right. So we come to him in the world that's around us. And we go ahead and we say, Jesus, I need you in me. And so we pour him out into our lives and that Monday. And he pours himself out into us. And so Monday goes by and we are like, wow, Jesus, that was pretty amazing. And so we go ahead and move our neck into our next day, Tuesday. And what was flowing out of Monday flows into Tuesday. And then what we do is we go ahead and we go ahead and ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, please be with me. Please go ahead and give me more of you. And you know what? He does. He goes ahead and gives us some more. And the incredible thing is that as we go, as we go, that life just starts spilling out. It starts spilling out. But, oh, wait, I ran out on, on here we are running out already. And I knew that was going to happen, we say. I knew that was going to happen. But what? We go back to Jesus. It's incredible. Jesus goes ahead and fills it up yet again. And so we go ahead and keep on moving down the line. You getting the, the, the drift of this? You catching on to what I'm trying to say? We pour ourselves out into that next day. You know what? That water sometimes drips out into the world around us, right? Because if Jesus is filling us up, you know what? We start watering the world that's around us, right? And so we go ahead and, wow, this is a messy one. But that water is going to go ahead and keep going. And we go out. We say, hey, Jesus, need a little bit more water here. We need a little bit more water. And so I told Tammy I was going to make a mess today. And so, wow, Friday is just floating already. Like, look at that. So we're going to go ahead and pour that out. Okay? Then we're going to go ahead and pour a little bit. And what do you know? By the time we get to Sabbath, instead of coming all empty, we come in full with stuff pouring out. That's what Jesus wants to do. That's what Jesus wants to do in your life. And you know what? It's amazing because now you take that, you go back to Monday, you pour it out, and Jesus just keeps out. And the more that you put Jesus into you, the more he flows out. Instead of it being all about you, sure hope church is good because it's got to make me get through the week. Suddenly, what Jesus is doing in my life is flowing out into the world around me. My worship 
is flowing out and other people go, I want a piece of that. That's the kind of Christianity I want. It's not about the music we're singing in church. It's not how good Ken preaches or any other preacher preaches. What it's about is we come together and we say, Jesus, it's about you. And the amazing thing is that as I pour out my praise to you, you pour your spirit into me so that I can flow out into the community around me. Family, that's what church is about. I'm told that this church has a vision statement. You thought I was forgotten all about that because I haven't talked about it up today. I've been talking about values. I've been talking about mission statements, but I haven't talked. What is your vision statement? Do you remember what your vision statement is? We will be a church without walls. You see, this is how you become a church without walls, when you're flowing out of, not when you're containing inside. We'll become a church without walls, serving the people in our community, fully engaged in serving the people in our community. The way that we're going to do that is if we have the Holy Spirit flowing out of us, family. When we have the living water in our lives, we don't, we don't live lives that are divided between the secular and the spiritual. Every act of every day is an act of worship. And if it can't be an act of worship, then maybe it's not something I should be doing. And I have good news for you. Don't hear me wrong either. God can redeem a lot of things that we think are irredeemable. Every act can be an act of worship. But if it can't be, maybe it's not worth doing. Sabbath then becomes this day of celebration, not of refilling what was empty, but a celebration of the fullness that have come from a week of true worship in spirit and truth. God bless you. Time for questions here. Um, I'm Stanley again here, worship host, online worship host, and we have questions that are coming in from the internet. You guys can join in too. Uh, Just hop on your phones and either join us on Facebook or on the church website and just put those questions in. Number one question was, how are you doing that Um, (laughs) with the the water? But it's Jesus. It's Jesus. All right. All right. (laughs) Um, Okay. Awesome. From uh, Jahimi, if I'm saying that right, and I hope I am, he asked, why is worship the focal point of immortality? Why is immortality always, why do we worship for immortality? Maybe is what he's asking. Yeah. I think one of the reasons is because who you are worshiping really is a determiner of your eternal destiny. Uh, For those who don't want to worship God, and worshiping God means believing in the things that God believes in, which are love, and all the things that love means. Um, Those who want to worship themselves, and it's about them, and it's about selfishness, well, we, we see what the result of that is in our world. When we see selfishness, we see suffering, we see pain. And at some point, God is going to say, you know what? It's not that I hate anybody, but what I do hate is suffering. And it's got to come to an end. And that's why worship is such a focal point, because worship is which way your life is pointed. Is your life pointed towards God, or is it pointed towards yourself? Yeah, it's a little bit of a almost like kind of selfish. You're not really worshiping God if you're worshiping God just for immortality. I would agree with that. (laughs) All right. Awesome. Um, We have a question from um, 
Trofina's family is from, I think, her daughter here. Um, she says that she gets the concept of it, but it's hard to worship God every day, all the time, or even know what we're worshiping. What's your advice for worshiping God and what we do or all that we do? Yeah. That's a great question. My advice is to, at the very beginning of your day, um, spend some time with God in whatever way draws you closer to him. Um, a lot of times pastors will say, well, you need to study your Bible for X amount of time. You need to spend X amount of time in prayer. And, and I find that's a little like, like telling, um, saying that every person should do the same weightlifting routine uh, when they go to the gym. Everybody's individual. But what you need to do is you need to find what what connects you with God. I have people in my family who are connected to God by singing. And so they start their day off with some music that points them towards God, have others that journal. Uh, they talk to God in their journaling. Um, for myself, I, have, I like to paraphrase the Bible and put it in my own words, and I hear God speaking to me through that and through music. I enjoy that as well. But what I'm trying to run to is start that day off with him, make it a priority, and then what you find out is that when you go to him, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And then everything else will be added to you. And then what you find as you go through your day, your mind is going back to that song, to that Bible verse, to what God spoke to you through uh, your, when you were praying and listening. And, and every act suddenly becomes one that's a, an act that's there to bring glory to God. And, that's the, and you start thinking that way. And if at first that's not, you know, you don't get discouraged. It's not like you have to be thinking the name of Jesus every minute. Mm-hmm to be connected and to be worshiping. But every time that we give our best, that's a characteristic of God. He gives his best. And when we give our best, we're worshiping him. We're saying, I want to be like you. So whether that's at our job, at our family, playing sports, all these things can bring glory to God. I would say that there's sometimes where, for me personally, I've done some screenwriting and I've done a lot of Christian plays. And then there's, there's almost a guilt of like when I'm not doing a Christian script and I'm like, can I really ask God to bless this? Can I really still be worshipful with God when, when I'm not doing something that's directly in, in line with that mission? Is, is there anything for that type of scenario? How can I, is it okay that I'm doing stuff that's not Christian sometimes? <laughs> well, and that's what I really want to get back to the point of, if you are a Christian, everything that you're doing is Christian. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and I don't mean that in the sense that that everything is you're quoting a Bible verse here or there. I don't think I'm any less. I when I, I worked in, in secular television and radio, um, and when I worked in there, I don't think that I was any less working for God than I am now. Mm-hmm. I was. It was different, but I had I had opportunities to let my life reflect God in that environment. And so while it was quote unquote secular, my life was spiritual. That's what we're talking about. We're little mini portable churches that go out into the world. And now think about how much more effective that is. If every single one of you view yourself as a portable church, think about the reach that this this church has. People don't have to come here to experience Jesus they just experience him through you and what you're doing in your everyday life. Which is particularly awesome for those of you that are watching online because a lot of you aren't here and it's awesome. Um, we have only time for one more question and it's, um, 
is anything mandatory? When I come to church, I trust those who prepare worship, but I'm not sure I know what to do. What, what makes it worship maybe is... Well, it? yeah, let me run back to one of the verses that I said. Remember that I think it was the first Peter verse that, that, um, that I read to you. It said that we're living stones, we're priests. What were priests' job? They were to lead worship. Um, I think that we often, and it's, it's interesting me, to me because within the faith denomination that we're a part of here in this church, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, we're a church that doesn't believe in formalism. In other words, we don't believe there's one right way to talk to God, that there's one right way to worship. We're, our, our liturgy is very expansive, the way that we come in. It can cover a lot of different ways of doing it, and we're really open to that. Other faith traditions, it's very much do this, do that, do that. This is the only and, way to worship. And so what I want to encourage people, when you, when you start worrying about whether you're doing it right, push that out. And just say, Jesus, I'm yours. You work through me. You're the one in me. I'm inviting you in. I'll trust that you're going to do what you want to do in my life. And if I make a mistake, I make a mistake. It's like when we're teachers. We teach people you're going to make mistakes if you're trying. It's when you're not trying that you don't make mistakes, but you also accomplish nothing. And so the best advice I can give to anybody is don't don't get caught up on whether you're doing it right or wrong all the time, just be going to Jesus and giving him permission to be in charge of your life and to move you in the way you, you should go. And I trust that when I ask that, that God will keep his promise that if I ask for any good thing in his name, he'll give it to me. Mm, amen. Well, if your question didn't get answered right now, uh, stay tuned. There's another service. Um, and there's also our podcast, which is called um, This Is Whole Life, which is available everywhere literally everywhere that you listen to podcasts, it's there. So check it out. It's been wonderful. I've enjoyed listening to it as well. So uh, look for that. And um, if you have any extra questions, feel free to still put them in the chat. Um, I'll I keep them a, a record of them. So thank you so much. Ken. Thank you, Stanley. Yeah. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace, and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.